Welcome back to part two of episode two of the Water Prairie Chronicles. I'm Steve and this is Tonya. We're your host for the Water Prairie Chronicles. And if you saw the first part of the episode, you'll remember that our daughter Emily is being interviewed. And just as a reminder, she's a college student. Uh, she has uh, conditions of uh, nystagmus, albinism, high myopia. And so in other words, she uh, is dealing with low vision. So the first part covered questions about um, her diagnosis as an infant. She and I both shared some, some information there. She talked about what it was like growing up with low vision, her interactions with other students, and just how she felt about it herself when she was first aware of it. Um, some of those things that when she was an infant, I'd love to have known. So I'm hoping this is helping some of you who have children with low vision or nystagmus or albinism or even other issues or non-issues at all that you just want to understand how kids think. It might might give you a little, little glimpse there. <laughs> and then she also shared about a business that she started when she was 12. So if you missed that one, go back and find part one. Um, you can listen to them in any order that you want. So you can finish listening to this one, then go back and find part one. But um, but we we thought it was pretty interesting. So this episode is going to pick up where she dropped off and she's talking about accommodations for students with low vision. She's talking about the sport of goalball. So if you've never heard of that, it's, a, it's an exciting sport that she was able to play and that pretty much anyone can play. And she goes into some detail of what she's doing to help unify some of the college students on her campus through goalball. And then she's also going to answer that question of, if you have low vision, should you read braille or should you use a cane? All right. If you're listening to the podcast, we'd also encourage you to check us out on YouTube. Uh, like Tonya said, you'll see some pictures of what Emily is talking about. I'll put things into a little better context for you. Uh, you can find our YouTube channel on our, from our Linktree site, linktr.ee slash water prairie. So enjoy the, the episode. What are some of the accommodations that you've had through the years that have helped you? I think the accommodations that I have slash have had in the past that helped me the most were definitely having my own copy, whether that be digitally or on paper, of um, presentations and teacher notes. Because um, I, especially now, sometimes being in the front row isn't going to help me see the board any better. Also, I have a CCTV that I carry around sometimes, so that definitely also helps. I can connect, it's a camera that I can connect to my laptop, so the camera sees what's on the board and I can just read it straight on my laptop, so that, that's also a big one that I, I find very helpful. Um, I'm realizing now in college how important extended time is um, on, on assignments and tests. Uh, the nature of my disability specifically, we were talking earlier about nystagmus and how long it takes me to try and focus on stuff, it takes me probably about three times longer than the average, quote unquote, average student to, to go through course material. So, uh, oh yeah, also mark and book, no using scantrons. Trying to fill in the little bubbles on the scantrons is almost impossible. <laughs> So don't do it if you don't have to. <laughs> so um, do you test in a separate environment? I have the option now in college in K through 12. Uh, I, they would put me in a separate environment, but there were still other kids in the room, which I didn't appreciate. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were more distracting than a whole group of people. <laughs> 
okay. but that's but sometimes that was because of the extended time right not necessarily i don't know what the reason was it was always different every time okay because because i know because you you had the extended time like on the the major test for like the, eocs EOGs. yeah yeah so those those are other states have different tests like that, but it's pretty much the, the end of grade tests that they have yeah. at the end of each year. Um, those had to be proctored. So they had to put you in a different setting because of the extended time that was involved. Yeah. With yeah. that. And did you ever test by yourself in those? Rarely I would be by myself. Okay. So I was usually with, group. I was usually with like three or four other kids. It's because accommodations are, are so important. Um, so we're looking at for, for you particularly with a visual impairment, with low vision, not with blindness, but with low vision, right. you had the extended time um, on tests, quizzes, exams, everything. What did you? Right now it's exams on timed material. So. Okay. Homework doesn't really fall under that category, which is unfortunate because I did struggle with that last semester. Yeah, I know you were going to have a discussion to try to see if if you could get the added time on the homework, yeah. um, which I, I think would... I, I, I do want to explain uh, because I feel like it would be helpful to understand what I mean by that. Um, I was and I'm retaking right now an accounting class. Uh, the homework for this accounting class well, the way the class is set up is is you're learning in class, but at the same time, you're still you're also learning new stuff on your own online. And because it takes you time to learn the materials online, and because it's all visual, because it's all math stuff and charts and, and information, it's hard to do that with an audiobook. It takes it takes me a long time to get through it. My my peers are spending two hours on homework. I'm spending four hours on homework, and there's still due dates for this homework. So sometimes I'll have maybe two days to do it and then I'll get two hours into my work and I'll be so visually fatigued that I'll have to take a break and then by the time that break comes comes to an end the the due date might have already passed so that's why I didn't pass my accounting class <laughs> and that's why I want to see if I can get better accommodations for homework. So I'll, I'll put a plug in here as, as your mom um, she ended up making 85 or higher on all the tests and exams. It was just the homework piece that, yep. that kept her from passing. I can understand the need for due dates because it keeps you on track with the rest of the class. Right. But if I had maybe an extra day, I would have been fine. <laughs> but we'll okay. figure it out. So, so to summarize again, so we have the extended time, the copy of teacher notes, whether it's in writing in a large print format or digitally that you can access on your own? Preferably digitally. Digital. If you have the option between physical and digital, digital is usually the way to go because you can manipulate that however you need. Okay. Um, you didn't mention it, but when you were younger, you had um, preferential seating where you could sit closer to where the teacher was working. Right. Would you put that in a child's IEP? I would definitely put that in a kid's IEP. Okay. And then um, on pretty much any disability, I think, I think that would fit really well because well, you can, you don't have to use it if you don't want to, right. which, well, is, that, and, which is and great. I think that's important for parents to understand is that just because it's there doesn't mean that you're going to use it. I do know in grade school though, if you don't, when you're on an IEP, if you're not using an accommodation that's there, eventually it's going to be taken off the table. Well, now you're using technology. Yeah. 
So when I was when I before the iPad, I didn't use technology at all. Okay, but once you had it, that was in your IP as well. Yes. So um, so we're we're going to have someone coming on in the next couple of months who's going to talk a lot about um the IEP process with us, which will be helpful. But I thought they'll probably be better at explaining accommodations <laughs> than me. I'm looking. I'm just to that familiar one. with the ones that I use, so I can't yeah. really speak for accommodations as a whole. Right. But but for visual impairment, it it will at least give an idea, especially for those parents that are just entering into the school system now and having It'll to get you this. somewhere to get started with. Right. Because I know I had no idea. I was relying on the teachers to tell me and the schools that you were in, you never were in a school that had another visually impaired child. No. So we every were place that we moved, every school that we switched to, we had to reteach everybody. Yes. And we were still learning ourselves. Yes, we were. So that was kind of a mess. <laughs> and that's so but... hopefully this blows up so other people don't have to go through what we did. <laughs> well, this is kind of the the whole idea behind this is, you know, yeah. you, you and your brother are in college now. I, I hope that we've learned a lot through these years. You you, you both made it to college. So we did something yeah. right to get you there. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just a matter of can we can we help some other families get to that point without as much stress um, yes. along the way? So um, I, I, I know we've met a few families who also refuse to acknowledge that their kid has a disability, which is really unfortunate because I don't want to see anybody fail because of that situation, because everybody is capable of doing whatever they want. I, I, I really don't want to see anybody be prevented from pursuing their dreams because of something somebody else says or thinks about them. Right. So some of the resources that have been part of your development, um, I don't, I don't know if you, you I, I know when you were young, you don't know what those resources were, no. but, <laughs> but since you've been say in high school, um, what are some of the resources that you've plugged into that have helped you like organizations or tools? See, I also don't know the answer to that question because <laughs> okay, so, I know they're there, but I can't think of any of it because right. it just kind of happened. Right. So you're in North Carolina. And when you turn 14 in North Carolina, if you're visually impaired, you can be connected to the Division of Services for the Blind, um, referred to as DSB. I did and mention that before. So, and, and to get involved with that, if you're in North Carolina and in your state, there may be something else if you're, if you're tuning in from another state. But, um, but at, at the age of 14, you can be referred by a teacher, by a parent, and I believe you can even refer yourself. Um, I would hope so. <laughs> so. So it doesn't have to be something that the school has to agree with, with you on. Um, anyone can make the referral, but then the um, the counselors will do a full evaluation and, and determine whether that student qualifies for services yeah. through them. I would um, say, I, I was going to say that their their rules in terms of who they they provide services for is different than how the school determines uh the school system determines if you need accommodations which i really appreciate because i because i'm i'm low vision i'm not blind i've i was i've always been on that the the fence between not receiving services and receiving services my vision always had to be quote unquote bad enough to be provided for they i wish they had take they they had they would include nystagmus as 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 part of my acuity they only went based off of numbers. So the DSB takes more into consideration, which I really appreciate. 
because now I can see really well according to paper and they'll still provide services for me. Right. Because they understand that I have other factors going into my disability. Well, right. Because with, with nystagmus, the condition of the eye is one thing. The movement of the eye adds to that. So yep. it does make a difference. And then with the albinism too, the lighting in the room makes a big difference of whether it's too yes. bright or too dark for you. Yeah. So probably not often that it's too dark, but but, but being... Honestly, bright. I would prefer it darker than than brighter. Right. <laughs> Which is more of a recent thing too. Uh, I, I've, I've noticed, either I'm noticing it more or I actually am just more photophobic than I was growing up. So that's fun. <laughs> I think I think you've become more aware of it as you've gotten Probably. older. Probably. Because you, you didn't really respond to pain or anything when you were younger. No. <laughs> So, all right, so let's move into the real reason that I wanted you to come on the show today. <laughs> Finally, we're getting to the good stuff. <laughs> the reason I really wanted to have you come on here is because of something that you're doing with a sport that you've really been passionate about the last yes. quite a few years, and that's goalball. Almost um, a decade now, probably. So even whenever I say goalball, it doesn't really sound right because no one's seen it. So I'm going to, for our YouTube viewers, thing on the screen. I'm going to put the word up there. For those of you that are listening, I'll put it in the show notes so you can see how we're spelling it. But, um, uh, well, first of all, I, I want to clarify this part because I never know because it never shows up in the dictionary. Is it goalball, two separate words, or is it all one word? It is one word. It is one word. Okay. So I didn't know that for a long time either, but now that (laughs) we'll talk about this later, now that I'm more immersed in the goalball world, I know what it is. (laughs) All right. So what, what is goalball? So goalball, this is going to sound really funny at first. The way that I explain it to new people who don't, who've never seen it before, uh, it's, it's kind of a combination between bowling and soccer. (laughs) which sounds crazy right so the way the court is set up you have two goals on either side like soccer goals almost they're probably bigger than soccer goals the court is smaller than a soccer field the court's smaller than a basketball field a little bit or court whatever (laughs) but the the soccer part comes in you're trying to block the ball from going into your goal like soccer uh the way the bowling part comes in the the way that you throw the ball across the court traditionally looks kind of like bowling there's no holes in the ball to put your fingers in you just kind of hold it like a cradle but that's the concept of how you roll it across the the field and um the players on the field are blocking it with their bodies so you're laying on the floor trying to trying to block the ball from rolling past you Okay. And everyone's blindfolded. That's the crazy (laughs) twist to that. (laughs) This is a sport designed for athletes who are visually impaired and blind. Um, So to even the playing field, make sure everybody's vision level is the same. Everybody's wearing completely blackout goggles. And this is a Paralympic sport, correct? It is. Yes. They play it at Paralympics. Uh, which usually airs on TV the week after the Olympics ends. They play in the same facilities, so they get the same experience, which is great. Nice. There are also, is there a world world championship every year? I think so. I'm not super familiar with the, the like more professional levels of goalball aside from recreational and the olympics <laughs> i don't know what's in between those there, two there are some in between yes <laughs> because i play that. recreationally i don't play competitively okay so how did you get involved with goalball 
it probably I think it came up in in one of the the low vision blind camps that I went to as a kid that was probably the first time that I had ever played it it might have been bell program actually which is one of the day camps summer camps that I went to I think that was your first camp yeah it was um and I went I think a year past the age limit but that's fine (laughs) I was like a semi volunteer at that point (laughs) I forgot about that but you're right you were (laughs) yep Uh, because there was another girl there too who was doing the same thing because I think her mom was a volunteer that's that's a different story (laughs) so you you first found out about it then but then you got involved with the Avengers you you mentioned earlier so tell me about the Avengers so the Avengers was um our team name Uh, we were a recreational goalball team um I think we only went to like one official competition together but we were mostly competing against each other and players who well college level people who were who had never played the game so it wasn't it was it was more for our benefit I guess but um I don't remember how many people it started with but we definitely had enough to play multiple games different matchups but it kind of dwindled down at the end and we had we we finished with like four people maybe (laughs) but so I did that for we'll say six or seven years the um I know that you said that it's for the visually impaired and blind but recreationally who can play recreationally anybody can play because I, I was meant I'd mentioned before that everybody wears blackout goggles. So it doesn't matter how much or how little you can see. When you're playing, everybody can see, quote unquote, see the same thing, <laughs> which is nothing. <laughs> so but how do you know when to block the ball? So the ball has bells in it. So when it's rolling, rolling at you at hyperspeed across the court, <laughs> you can hear it <laughs> barreling towards you <laughs> so that you know when to block. <laughs> Yeah. I over exaggerate those, <laughs> but sometimes it feels scary whenever you've played it for you've, you've, you're playing it for the first time. You've never been blindfolded, trying to block a moving object. So, have you ever been hit by the ball, like to hurt? I don't think so. Maybe once, but that was because I didn't block correctly. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you do it wrong, then yeah, you could get hurt. But if if you're doing it the right way, then then it's pretty hard to get hurt in this game so i know i know that you that you really enjoyed the sport and you've kind of missed it since since you finished with the avengers um so what are you doing at your college to to start a program i i I know i know you're doing something there but you already know what's happening (laughs) i know it's like (laughs) you're like trying to ask me this question about this thing that that you don't know if it exists but you know it exists so (laughs) for the viewers um I since finishing with the Avengers I was I've been trying to figure out how how can I play goalball again because because I, I I really missed it um and then I whenever I went to tour campuses for college they were talking about oh if you want to start your own club and you you can go through the process to get that started and I was like what if I could start a goalball club at my college that could be cool. I could play goalball again and I could expose people to the world of disabilities. Win-win. So I decided, well, unfortunately I was going to do it earlier, but then COVID decided that we can't do indoor sports 
So that kind of ruined my plans a little bit for a while. So last semester, I reached out to the SRC, which is the student rec center on our campus and said, hey, I know of this, this sport that I, that I love to play. I know how to play. I can teach people how to play. Can we bring this sport to this college? And they were so excited whenever I had talked about it. So we met, we met up in person together. We talked a little bit more about, about what would go into to setting this up. And I'm on payroll now. So that's cool. <laughs> I was going into this expecting to, to volunteer, but they're like, we all will get you on payroll. So that's fun. Um, and then, so right now we're kind of in the middle of setting it up still. Um, I like set up the rules for them. Uh, they're a little bit modified because it's recreational. We're not, we don't need to be super, super strict on the rules, but, um, uh, we're, I think we still need to order the equipment, but I think by the end of this semester, we'll have a league up and running for students to play. So is it, is it going to start this, this semester? I, I hope so. We don't have like an official timeline. We're in the middle of switching um, directors. If someone's listening to this and they're in college, what suggestions do you have for them of trying to get it started in their school? Honestly, just send an email to, to your rec center if you have one or just anybody, even just like the, even a club. Like if you if you're really excited about about getting this uh, go ball brought to your 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 school or even any new sport. I know like um, I think we had talked about maybe bringing beep dodgeball or not beep dodgeball, beep kickball in a couple years as well. So oh, yeah. any sport that you can think of, uh, if you really want to bring it to your school, just send an email to, to somebody and, and you can get that started pretty easily. Hopefully you might have to, we, we did have to go through some um, uh, grant applications to get the funding for it, but that's minor details. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have the funding already? We do. Yes. Okay. So that, so it was a pretty quick turnaround because it did was, that yeah, it took maybe a month to get that figured out. Okay. So the, so the funds there, you just need the school leadership back in place with yes. the change in the job. Yes. And then you'll be going, okay, so, so it should happen this year. Yeah. So absolutely. how are you, how are you going to get students involved in it? I, this semester, I am planning on setting up a, a club um, that's separate from the sports and, and hopefully we can, we can, get people to tell people about it, word of mouth advertising. So I, I could see a benefit with this, not only any students on campus that may have a visual impairment, whether they know about goalball from their childhood or not, would benefit from this. But then you also have students who are studying to work in um, special education or an adaptive PE, things like that, um, or even just, yes. just um, PE majors or kinesiology majors anyone in that area, it would be a benefit for them to be aware of and being able to participate in a sport that's Absolutely. part of the Paralympics. Yeah. Um, and and, and an if, if there's, especially too, I've not, I've seen one person on campus who I know is blind because I've seen her guide dog. <laughs> <laughs> a little of a, a little bit of a giveaway. I haven't, I wish I had talked to her last year, but I didn't because she lived in my building. <laughs> oh <But> no. <laughs> I'm hoping this will also get get our low vision blind community on campus together because well, you're in a large school too i am so th there has to be there has to be more than just me <laughs> uh, i should talk to disability services and ask them once we get goalball up and running to to let people know about it so a program like this um there will be some individuals who will not be able to participate because of physical restrictions yes, yes. 
but are there ways that they could still be involved? I mean, yeah, they could probably help us referee and score. <laughs> okay. So, so really anyone could be yeah. involved with the program in some way. And we always need cheerleaders too. Except we for... never have people. Well, they'd have to be silent cheerleaders before and after the games, honestly, like just, just like a community of people, whether or not they can play just, it, it's just a great, I, I'm, I'm hoping this can work. I'm hoping we can get a lot of people into this. So I know for me, I've never played. I, I could teach someone how to play because I was there all those years when you were playing with the Avengers. But, um, and for me as a parent, being part of a program when you were younger, it was nice because I got to connect with other parents who had children with visual impairments. So there was a benefit on the parent side as well as for all of you kids out there just having fun and playing. But, um, but it was also fun to watch. Because, you know, just like watching a baseball game or a football game or anything else that your child might do. That was our version of, of kitty kitty baseball. Well, and it, it <laughs> gets league. pretty competitive. It, it, it really does. <laughs> so, so, it's, so sometimes, it's, it's fun to watch. Sometimes um, our, our community can get even more competitive, <laughs> to be honest. I've, I've noticed this. So, um, so yeah. So, there, so there I, are a I, few out there. I, I think it's, it's exciting that, that you've you've talked about being um, very, very much of an introvert at times, but that didn't keep you from doing this. No. And, um, and so it's something that anyone could get started or at least start the conversation at their school. Yeah. And, and so even, even if, if you are introverted and you want to play goalball at your school and it's not there, you don't have to be the one necessarily like the, the figurehead of, of everything. You could even just be behind the scenes, teach people how to teach the game and you'd still be able to play. Right. So but, don't, um, don't let that stop you because that's, uh, you should be able to do what you want. I love the idea of starting the club too, to go to partner with it so that yeah. you could get a group that's maybe a little more passionate about it, but then they could get out there and help spread the word too. It also, I will say, this isn't why I'm doing it, but it also would probably look really good on a resume. <laughs> well, you know, if you're, so, so if you're listening and you're in a college somewhere and would like to try to get this started, you know, there you go. You have a, yeah. a club club membership going on there. You've got some okay. leadership skills that you're able to show. And um, and more important than anything else, just a way to help connect the the visually disabled community with the visual community. Because yes. a lot of times there's a gap there between them of just I've been wanting, I've been, that's, that's like my whole goal in life right now. And hopefully forever is I, I feel like I have, uh, as someone with low vision, I'm not sighted, fully sighted, I'm not totally blind. I have a voice in both communities almost because I grew up in both communities and I've noticed that they don't really the communities don't really cross over together very often and and I know like a lot of sighted people don't understand anything about disabilities or visual disabilities so I feel like I have a voice and I can I can share my experiences with both communities and hopefully merge them together a bit more cool I like that um personal question for you if okay. anyone wants more information, can they contact you directly? I would say yes. Okay. So at the, <laughs> at the end, we'll post your social media contacts. Yeah. I so post. You can do it that way. I used to post not quite as much anymore. A, a lot about what my life is like as someone with a visual impairment. So you can check out my old posts on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll share those at the end and we'll put that in the show notes too. And if yeah. you're watching on YouTube, we'll put it in the description below. Yes. so that they can get in touch with you. Um, another thing I thought about earlier when we were talking about, um, I don't know what we were talking about, but you had mentioned the cane. Oh, about as far as people um, 
asking you questions or not, if they saw you with your cane, you have low vision. You look like you're watching the monitor right now, so you can see. I am watching the monitor. (laughs) Do you use a cane and why? I use a cane mostly because it tells other people that I might not be able to see something. So if, if I was like, if I looked like I, I needed help, they kind of have a reason why I might need help almost. Um, it, it helps, <laughs> I guess it also helps me when I'm walking through a group of people, they'll actually get, move out of my way pretty quickly. <laughs> so that's, that's helpful. <laughs> Um, sometimes, and sometimes I do, especially when I was younger, I do wish I had it with me. Um, cause there were, there, there are some situations where I would benefit from using it. Um, I actually, the other day I probably would have benefited from using it because my glasses transition and with the snow, they get darker a lot quicker. So I walked to class and because it's cold outside, when I went inside, my glasses were still sunglasses but because of the warmth they fogged up as well i saw better without my glasses on at that in that moment <laughs> so having my cane in that moment probably would have been really helpful <laughs> so le- lesson lesson learned huh lesson learned at least i knew where i was going and the classroom was right in the door of the building right and, but the classroom was dark too so sunglasses plus dark room plus fog not a great combination <laughs> Yeah, I know the cane, the cane question, cane and Braille were always the questions um, being in the middle, as you said, between the sighted world and the blind world um, with low vision, functional low vision. Um, yeah. They were always a question. Do you need to learn Braille? Or do you need to use a cane? And the cane you resisted quite a long time. And I think part of it was just not understanding that you would even need it and not wanting to stand out a lot. And the Braille you actually studied because you wanted to learn Braille. I started using my cane after people stopped telling me why I should use it. Okay. Because like, that's just my personality. That's like part of that (laughs) is I, I wanted to make the choice for myself to use it. And that's when I started using it. And then the Braille, you're not reading Braille right now. No, the the importance in my opinion, at least in my situation of learning Braille when I was a kid was that the nature of my disability, I could lose more of my vision as I grow older. My my retinas are extremely fragile one day. If I get in a car accident, I might just lose my vision one day. I'm not driving, but I'm going to be the passenger. <laughs> <laughs> but but you get, you get the idea. So yeah. learning it as a kid and then relearning it as an adult is going to be a lot easier than learning it for the first time at 50. Right. So that's, that's why I learned Braille as a kid. <laughs> now for, for those and of you it's listening. a cool party trick. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell people, Hey, or it's like a two truths and a lie kind of thing. It's like, I know Braille. I know sign language. I know French. One of those is false. I don't know French. I know the other two. <laughs> so, so the, um, for our listeners to go back on the Braille part, especially if you have a child and you're trying to decide whether this is a tool that they should put into their, their bag or not. Um, Emily said that she wanted to learn Braille and you were about second into second grade, early third grade when you expressed that, that desire. And so we took it to, to your specialist that you were working with at the time. And he said, no, that you would just always use large print, that you would never need Braille. And, um, and so 
you, he was, he's you, speaking like as if he was my ophthalmologist. Yeah, you you were pretty no. adamant about it. And our our feeling was I did a little bit of research and saw that the area of the brain that um, that communicates visually also is the part that communicates tactily. And um, and you're pretty much 100 percent visual learner. So I felt like for you that you'd be able to learn it because if touch and vision are the same area of the brain, you're very strong in that part of your brain already. I am ironically a very visual learner. (laughs) (laughs) And you had a very strong desire to do it. So why not let you give it a try? So we we called a team meeting together with your IEP team and your teachers who were your classroom teachers had found out about it. So your classroom teacher came, your PE teachers came, I think the media center. um, That's really funny. You had a room full of adults ready to fight for you if they said no. That's really funny. (laughs) And so, um, so you started studying Braille in third grade one or two days a week. Um, it wasn't a big, a big yeah. thing. It was never part of your school learning as far as your classroom learning, but, um, but it but was. I did get taken out of some classes to go to it, but. Yeah. And I know there were times that you were a little frustrated that they would, they would take you out of a classroom time instead of a PE class. There was two times where you were subbing my class and I had to leave that class. So I didn't get to have you as a sub until middle school. (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) For people watching, she's, are you still licensed to sub? I am. (laughs) She's licensed to sub as a substitute (laughs) teacher. And I had always wanted to be in her class when she subbed. And then I had to miss it like twice. (laughs) And she doesn't do it often. So like, that's a big deal. (laughs) So our next section we're going to move to, this is everyone's favorite. It's our speed round questions. So this is a list of um, of 10 questions. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to answer them. Oh my. <laughs> okay. Hey, at least my processing speed is slightly faster than my reading speed. <laughs> they are not hard, but they can be difficult to answer. Okay. Does that help? <laughs> sure <laughs> all right so so here's here's the the layout so you have 30 seconds there are three open-ended questions and these will just you just want to say the first thing that pops into your mind on those three okay and then there are seven either or questions and i'm going okay. to give you two words you just tell me which one pops into your mind first okay <laughs> and if you overthink it and get really frustrated just say pass okay. but let's see if you can get all 10 of them and if the time runs out, that's fine. We'll just keep going. I'm we get scared there's a right and wrong answer for these. <laughs> there's no right or wrong. And my goal is that over time, we'll start sharing some charts of how many of our guests chose which which one. So I can't even compare my answers You can't right compare. Now. That's, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Save so my answers and tell me what, it, what, what, what I relate to when you get like 10 other people. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can do that. So, but I th- thought it'd be kind of fun to track. Maybe on social media, we'll post the charts of, of how many answer this answer, this answer. All right. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. So let me get the timer set up here and the right card. So the first three open-ended, you ready? You're not going to ask favorite color once. Oh, uh, red. Last book that you read. (laughs) The Bible. (laughs) Favorite holiday. Thanksgiving or Christmas. Cake or ice cream. Because of family. Cake or ice cream. Ice cream. Batman or Superman. Pass. (laughs) Ocean or mountains. Mountains. Winter or summer. Winter. Watch a movie or read a book. Pass. (laughs) 
Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Harry Potter. <laughs> Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. Uh, well, I appreciate you coming on and taking time out of your study schedule and your streaming schedule to be yeah, part of I'm this. I'm streaming later. <laughs> I think I think our listeners are going to enjoy hearing your story. And I'm really hoping that some of the college kids that hear this will take your challenge and go out and try to start a goalball program in their in their school. Yes. Well, um, I mean, I, I really want to know if anybody else successfully like gets that set up because it would be really cool if one day our colleges could, could compete. I was thinking about that. If we that could get some, cool. I mean, you're in North Carolina, so you've got Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina within reach. Um, other areas of the country, try to get connected if you if you can Absolutely. get them going. If, and, if you if if yeah, I could probably start like a, a whole social media thing for just colleges with goalball leagues. And then if there's enough of them, this is like down the road, like big thinking, if there's enough of them, then we could just have like one big community about goalball enthusiasts. Yeah. Why not? That could be cool. And then we could like talk about our different leagues that we have going. I like that idea. Big plans. <laughs> All right. So, so you're going to need to keep us posted on how the goalball program's going, but yes. I really want to find out when you identify someone for the iPad and yes and do that we can we can feature you on just a, just a clip on I'll let you know I can come talk about it <laughs> yeah I, I'd love to hear that um and then more importantly because we're talking about contacting you if they have questions or if they want to get go ball going or things like that um are you open to parents asking you questions if they have questions for their kids absolutely okay all right so where can they find you on social media so my Instagram is o Emily Grace yes so Thank you. I appreciate you being on and being um, cooperative with being my first guest. That was exciting to be able to introduce my firstborn as my first guest. <laughs> I, I was, if you weren't my mom, I'd be like, thank you for having me. Um, I mean, yeah, thank you. But then also like, I haven't really talked to you like this in a while. So it's been nice. <laughs> it has been. I've enjoyed that. So we, we, we need to fix that. <laughs> when, when we, when we. Thanks for listening again. Uh, if you want to learn more about Goalball and the supplies that are needed, we're going to put some information in the show notes. And, you know, you might have heard about Goalball if you've watched the Paralympics at all. Uh, that's it. Goalball is a Paralympic sport. And, you know, maybe you've seen something with the World Championships. Uh, you know, it's an international sport. So there's, there's a lot of interest uh, beyond the United States uh, for the sport. But within the United States, if you're interested in learning more about it to play it yourself, or if you have a child that wants to maybe see how far they can go, maybe they could be on the U.S. team sometime, the organization that oversees the goalball sport for the United States is the United States Association of Blind Athletes. And you can find them at usaba.org. And there's a lot of information there about all different types of Paralympic sports there. But this one in particular is there. And I believe I saw that there is blind soccer coming up mm. at the next Paralympics. I may be wrong on that, but I know I'm, I'm hearing chatter about it. So we'll have to watch for that. Maybe we can find someone who's playing it to come tell us more about it at some that point. That could be interesting. So just a few items. After Emily and I talked, I did a little bit of research. And um, she wasn't sure if there was just the Paralympics for the world stage or if there was more. And I found that the Paralympics, the last, the, the first that I saw was 1976. Um, and so it may have been before that, but the first record that I found was that year. And the men have won it one year that they won the gold, and that was in 1984. You're talking about the U.S. men. The U.S. men. But, um, but for the women, they've 
fared better. So the women have won the gold in the Paralympics in 1984, the same year the men did, but also as recently as 2008. So they have two championships in the Paralympics. And then I found that there is a world championship. I'm not sure how often it is. It looks like it might be every four years, but don't hold me to that. So check on the, um, actually, if you go to IBSA, the, that's the International Blind Sport Federation. They're the one that governs it. But I found that the first entry that I found that it was played was in 1978. But then I found that the men won in 1982. So that might've been the same men's group that won in 1984, I'm not sure. <laughs> But the women also won in 1982 and 1986. So again, probably similar team members on that. And then they skipped ahead to 2002 and 2014. So the women have been doing quite well on the world stage with goalball. The men need to, to catch up here. So <laughs> any athletes out there, start learning about goalball and see, see if maybe you can be on the next Paralympic team. If you enjoyed what you heard on part two and you missed part one, please feel free to go back and listen to part one. You'll learn more about Emily's story. You'll learn about how her diagnosis as an infant with the low vision. And you'll hear some more of firsthand from her what it was like uh, growing up with low vision. And you, lastly, you also hear a little more about the business that she started when she was 12 years old. And again, if you haven't heard us say this before, we're going to keep saying it for a while. We're trying to build our resource list to be nationwide, state by state. And we're starting to get a few suggestions coming in. So if you have a business that would benefit... Um, our parents who have children with disabilities, no matter what the disability is, um, contact us through the resource page. You can find our links for everything, whether you want to suggest a speaker to come on as a guest on the podcast, or if you want to suggest a resource or find any of our social media. Every, everything that I can think of is linked on our link tree. And to get there, you go to link, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash water prairie. So W-A-T-E-R-P-R-A-I-R-I-E. And, um, and so let us know. And if you have anyone that you think would benefit from this that hasn't heard of us yet, go ahead and send it out. Let them know. We're trying to get the word out to people because this is, this is for you. We want it to be your site. We want it to be your podcast. And we can only do that if you feed us the information that you're looking for. So if there's something you want to know more about or you've learned that's helped you and you want to pass it on to someone else, come on as a guest. We'll, we'll be glad to give you the stage for a little bit and let you um, share share what you've learned and what you know. Yeah, so just again, as a reminder, if you're listening to the podcast, we also have a YouTube channel. You get to see a little more of uh, the pictures about what Emily's talking about and just kind of really bring to life what, uh, what her experience has been. Again, our YouTube link's at linktr.ee slash water prairie. Stay tuned for next week for episode three our other child's coming on and he's going to be telling us about playing an NCAA sport with narcolepsy. He's going to share some other information about learning concerns and some of the accommodations that he's used the same as Emily has done. And um, I, th I think you'll find it interesting, even if you don't have any desire to play an NCAA sport, <laughs> or maybe you only know a little bit about narcolepsy and want to learn more. I would encourage you to come and listen to it. Thanks. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next week.